combustible. Um, I think the last few episodes that we've done, we've said this is a special, and we're deviating from the regular format. But at this point, they're all special. This is the regular format. All, yeah, <laughs> we we pretty much established that we don't have a format regularly. Oh, um, yeah, we are doing another episode where we don't really have a guest. Our guest is one of our normal moderators. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, Douglas Mike Hatcher and uh, specifically talking to him about the fire on Interstate 85 where uh, a large section was about 150 feet. A large span of the interstate, four four lanes wide, collapsed after a a fire. And uh, if you're in the Atlanta area, you know what we're talking about. If you're not in the Atlanta area, there's video of it all over the internet. It got national news coverage. And um, this kind of is a continuation of our last uh, podcast where we were talking about uh, decision-making on scene, that uh, uh, the decision-making process, and some other areas. So we'll, I'm sure we'll end up getting that. We're also uh, recording this podcast in front of a live studio audience for the first time. So we have other people in the room that might chime in, but uh, our it's the, uh, the, the usual suspects are here. Let's go around the room. Shane Dobson's here. Pavel Trojan's present. Bill Voorhees is here, and we have Hatch. Hatch, yeah. Hatch. Let's just go with Hatch. Hatch. So you're not Douglas Hatcher because you're the official. <clears throat> Officially, know. I'm Douglas Hatcher. But yeah, yeah, we'll okay. just go with Hatch. Nobody would recognize you if we said All right, Douglas. So, Patanji. Douglas I want Hatch, to... normal? Just Hatcher? Hatch is what y'all call me most of the time on the podcast. Yeah, I never say Hatcher. Are we Hatch. the only ones that call you Hatch? No. Okay, so okay, then it's Hatch. It's quite universal. All right, so I want to start with black my hair. Yeah. I actually answered the phone like that one time. I said, hey, this is Hatch to my sister, who is also a Hatcher, which is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> She's like, no, this is Hatch too. So, anyway. Hatch not, not as in two. I want to start with, just before we get into Hatch's experience on this fire, uh, which also we're going to be talking, and it might be this episode, it might be the episode after this, it might end up being a two-part episode, uh, where we talk about Hatch going to uh, see the president with a, a delegation from Atlanta uh, to the Oval Office and, and that he whole thing. sounds like, like titles to Curious that. George books. You know, Curious George, yeah. Hatch oh, burns out of their state. Like Hatch that. goes to Washington, like D.C. Hatch goes to Washington, D.C. You, you got to see the president? I got to see the president. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I actually talked to somebody about this, and uh, they were talking about that, you know, every blockbuster has a, has a sequel. And it was like, Hatch will be in D- and be uh, New York, you know, fighting terrorists. You know, Hatch to London, you know, <laughs> in the tomb or something. Into a, a superhero? Yeah, exactly. He was a superhero way before yeah. that. But uh, let's start with uh, Pabell. Did you know about this fire as it was happening? Yes. On on the news, we were all we were here. So, so you were watching. Yeah. So I was just watching it kind of play out. Okay. Anything that was going through your head as you were watching it? Well, I, you know, it never dawned on me for one second, as much as I'm connected to uh, Atlanta and everything, that hey, I may know some somebody that's right. on this incident. Uh, I just couldn't it, it wasn't making sense to me that a bridge was on fire planes on fire, buildings on fire everything's on fire but the bridge, the column of smoke I, it, I was actually had a little bit of a hard time processing what's going on Right. and of course all the speculation that's going on when you go from channel to channel is what could have caused it so I was a little baffled by it to be honest with you okay, Jane 
Um, <clears throat> I was familiar with it because I was actually riding up uh, for car two when that happened. So my phone. You was, were on duty? Yeah. Okay. Was what is up. car two? Uh, that's our deputy chief of operations. So I was getting, my phone was being blown up at that point because we were doing a GMAG request to backfill for you guys. So, um, so you didn't I have was, requests to the scene. You were no, just backfilling no, stations. No, we, uh, we were told pretty quick that Atlanta had it under control, or at least they had the oh, yeah, units under going. control. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> and uh, we were going to be back. You know, <laughs> when I first saw it, when I first got the video of what we was happening. We did a YouTube channel for this. <laughs> <laughs> they had clearly had it under control. Um, I actually thought a tanker had had crashed under right. the bridge. That's exactly when I first saw it. I thought, man, they've got a tanker turned over. Me too. So, um, so yeah, I was familiar as it was playing out immediately. Okay. I didn't even think about you being, I didn't know until like the next yeah. day that you were the instant commander though. I had me either. No I don't know idea. why we wouldn't think that because we work here. Well, he's not here. Yeah. And we didn't put the pieces together until I started getting a bunch of texts on my phone. Letting me know, hey, you're looking at Atlanta? Yeah, I'm looking fact, at I think it. you I think told that, me. It might yeah. have been a couple of days. Well, we told me and Bill talked the next he morning. He called the next morning, and uh, he says, you know, it's the typical hatch phone call where it starts out with, hey, how's it going? And he calls you like you, you've got something to talk to him about. <laughs> and he says, hey, how's it going? And then there's this silence, like you're supposed to start talking. And I said, hey, it's going fine. How are you? And he's, he says, well... I'm kind of I've got a, I've yeah. got a, he says, I've got a great idea for a new, another podcast episode. And I was, I kind of laughed and I was like, yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. I said, this is how it went. I said, are, were you there? And he says, yeah, I was in charge of that whole thing. And I, that was when I yeah, started figuring it out. But I was sitting in a, uh, my son's band concert for school and they delayed it. And they made an announcement that it was delayed because of traffic. And uh, my mother had texted me saying there was a bridge on fire, you know, with the typical, are you there? You know, <laughs> uh, no, that's Atlanta, you know, not there. And, um, but I was watching it on my phone and sharing it with people that were sitting around me because they couldn't believe that, you know, why are we delaying the concert and all that stuff? And uh, we saw the, you know, I was trying to explain to them that's way more smoke than there. I, I thought it was the DOT vehicles because the hero trucks are parked. One exit south of that. Yeah, on the other end, but I couldn't tell exactly where it was. But I thought that I thought it was a vehicle fire. Way too much smoke for that. And then I saw how far back the aerials were set up, and I started thinking, oh, okay, something's going on. They're that far back. And then the thing collapsed, and you know, we I talked about to the people I was watching it with that they had made the decision to smother the fuel with with concrete. You know, there was a conscious decision. <laughs> Pull the pins. Pull the pins. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you anonymous? No. So, <laughs> so talking to you in the next morning, you start telling me all this, all these details, all this, how it evolved, and you weren't even dispatched on the call. No, no, no. We were on a previous call. Uh, with a full alarm assignment to an apartment complex, um, maybe just east of that location. And it turned out to be a food on the stove out on arrival. So they kept the initial engine and truck, I think one extra engine. Uh, and the engine and truck that were uh, the first one on the scene of that call would have been the first one on the bridge fire. And that's why the, the engine that was on it was a much later one. 
But while we were there and they were investigating it, you know, we're just kind of sitting there waiting and other units are responding. And one of our truck companies calls over the radio and asks, do you have an engine company on the car fire under the bridge? And so that kind of clued me into something going on over there. And uh, they kind of gave a, an answer like, yeah, affirmative or something like that. They were busy with something else. And uh, so I kind of looked over and, and saw the column of smoke. It seemed a lot for a uh, car fire, but it wasn't the black, you know, really super right. dark churning smoke that you guys saw much later. It was a lot for what we normally see as a car fire, but not that much. And then as we got released and we we're leaving, we we're kind of watching it a little bit more, and then it got really black really fast, and we we're like, yeah, that's way worse than a car fire. And I was with Shane, I, I believed it was a, a tanker, maybe a tanker, had, right? You know. So, was there radio traffic at this point that's giving you any idea of what they've got? Are, are units on scene at this point? Um, yeah, most likely. Uh, the, the first engine was on the scene and maybe the first truck. Uh, I was still on the TAC channel from the call I was on trying to figure out what TAC channel they were on. Okay. And so I was scrolling through trying to get to that information as we were responding. Um, so you decided to go. Right, right, right. So I, I told Were you within your battalion or outside of your battalion? Uh, that's outside my battalion, actually. Okay, so it's not your normal... It's your, it's your second due as a battalion chief, though. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So you're heading, you, you've assigned yourself to the call, and from where you were, you were heading uh, on the Buford Highway access southbound right. toward the fire? Right, the Buford Spring Connector southbound uh, towards the fire. There was a lot of traffic on it. These, these two roadways, the I-85 and the Buford Spring Connector, run parallel to each other uh, for maybe a couple of miles. And they're both and elevated. They are both elevated. The 85 is a little bit higher. So right. there's enough that you can see just under the 85 bridge being on the Buford Spring Connector. And so as we were going southbound, we passed right by the fire. And I could tell my driver lets off the gas a little bit because he wants to see what's going on. And as we're slowing down, we're getting peppered by a spalling concrete shooting out at the car. And I was like, don't slow down, don't slow down. <laughs> and so we keep going and we get off the very next exit, which is Armored Drive. And we come back around and end up on Piedmont northbound uh, under and he pulls all the way up under the 85 bridge I was like no 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 back up back up we, right. we don't want to be this close right and we back up just out just under the first lane of the uh, Buford Spring Connector on okay. the south side so and for anybody that's not familiar with the geography 85 runs north south basically for the purposes of our discussion let's yes. just say it runs eight, north south it's funny because I had this whole thought later on about this but go ahead okay and you positioned on the east side of that Yes. Okay. Um, this is going to get very confusing in a minute. But well, yes. no, no. I just I'm trying because we're going to make a, a division w between where things were were assigned. So as you pull up, you said no, 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 back up, back up. Why? Because I knew this was going to come down. You thought at that point the bridge was coming down. If it's spalling out concrete and peppering the cars we drove by, yes, there's severe damage being done to that bridge. Well, and if any if any of our listeners saw the the video, and I can't find who. We, we're still trying to track it down. There's video of the spalling, and it looked like a wood chipper. Yeah. It was it was that much coming over the the median wall. Uh, it was it was amazing. I I didn't you know I'd never seen anything like that. So I can only imagine you driving past that, getting hit with little bits of concrete. Yeah, that wasn't something I was expecting. No. So when you drive past that, so we got the response. You're getting there. When you drive past that and you see that. Uh, almost going back to the last podcast, what's immediately going through your brain as far as starting to create an incident action plan to something you have never seen, 
and all of a sudden you're getting peppered with concrete and a bridge on fire with unknown what's burning, but this is massive in a major corridor in Atlanta. Oh yeah, this is at rush hour too, by the way. And right. during rush hour, yeah. what it started like 6.15, and so my response there was about 6.30ish. So what's the in initial thought process? Mm -hmm. Immediately trying to create you know, a plan of what resources you need going to tackle this thing? Is there a, a moment of how am I going to handle this? What's the thought process? What was the beginning of this question? I'm just kidding. <laughs> we did that at least once. Yeah, I know. Was, that, was that a question? Or? <laughs> so the very first thing uh, that I'm thinking is we are going through traffic on the Buford Spring Connector going past this. Why are they driving by? I understand why I'm doing it, right. but why are they doing it? And so first thing on my mind is I got to shut this down. I got to shut down the Buford Spring Connector because if that spawning hit me, what's going on under it as well? And I got to shut down 85. And you got to realize, even though it's moving only three or four feet below I 85, I can't tell what's right. happening above it. But the spalling that you're talking about, the, what I saw, and I don't know if this is what was hitting you, was coming off of the actual surface of the roadway and being projected over the wall and down below. Were you getting spalling off of the sides of the beams, or yes? Okay, that that would be my guess. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That was coming off the side of the beams. Okay, because before, well, right, but before it collapsed, it was it was spalling on the top, which right. is consider when you think about how hot that concrete had to get right. through all of that thickness. But the time that you saw just a little bit of smoke, to it changes and you get on scene and there's con bits of concrete coming off of it. That's really really fast. Yeah, it's a couple minutes of right. like that. And then, so when we get on uh, Piedmont, Piedmont is below both of these. You know, Piedmont is below the Beaufort Spring Connector and below 85. So I do not know if the interstates get shut down. But that is the first thing I ask for. I ask for Georgia DOT, uh, Georgia State Patrol, and APD to shut down the interstates, Beaufort Spring Connector, Piedmont, you know, and to give me a second alarm. And that's, that's, that's the pretty much the first thing going through my head. And then there is a one engine there uh, that was working, already trying to put it out. They had already had lines laid are, and working. Are they on your side or are they on the other side? They're on the other side. They're, <laughs> Piedmont actually runs north to south, and they were on the north side. Okay. And so at points, I could not see the apparatus. And thing, the first thing I think was, man, I hope they're wearing their SCBAs right now <laughs> because they were covered up in it. Right. And it was all over them. And they were actually under the, most likely the, the northbound, I'm sorry, the southbound portion of I-85. Okay. And uh, operating a hand line, uh, trying to get things done. And we had a truck, uh, a, a tiller on the southbound side of where I was, what but no of, engine. What kind of hand line were they working? Uh, an and three quarter or were they two and a half? I think it was a two and a half at this point. Okay. Uh, so, so I knew that I was not going to be able to get over to them and they were not going to be able to get over to me. Uh, so as for a second alarm, then the... The next battalion car ride on the scene. Normally, the way we'd work is the second battalion chief becomes the safety officer, and that's how we, we work. Right. And we work in conjunction. So he would work under uh, the incident commander as a safety officer, you know, being the extra set of eyes and looking out for things. There was no way we were going to be able to share. He was on the north end as well. Okay, so he's on the other side of the interstate. Right. Yeah. So I immediately, immediately split command into two divisions a north division and a south division, and gave him a separate tag channel and then started assigning him units. I did not discuss this with him. <laughs> I did not ask him if he understood what I meant by it. Did you tell him that what you thought was going to happen to the bridge? Nope. Did you tell him that we were defensive, we're any, communicate anything like that? Nope. 
Okay. Now I'm feeling really bad. <laughs> well, no, but, I mean, I'm doing but, but the point is, is that he made the same good decisions you made completely separate. Right. Because even though you assigned divisions, you didn't necessarily remain as an incident commander for the entire incident. He yes. wasn't running his decisions through you or requests for resources or anything like that. It wasn't coming through you. He was managing his side and you were managing your side. Correct. Okay. Any questions so far? And no? You're seeing the same thing there. You're, he's pulling up the same thing you saw. You never saw it before, so you're having to make the same decisions. You know, so right. he's, he's having to make the same decision he says. He's never right. seen this before either. So Right. And this is a captain riding up, Captain Atkins. He did an outstanding job. I mean, Is the captain filling in on the car? Filling in on the car. Wow. And I threw him a curveball. You know, all this is, you know, in high rises we talk about this, you know, make it a floor division and right. you have a division supervisor and things of this nature. Typically in drills, when we try this, it goes horribly wrong. Everybody talks back to command. Right. Command gets overwhelmed with everybody talking to them. And this is just one of those situations where it really worked well because it fit with you attack it like it's your fire, I'm going to attack it like it's my fire, and right. we're going to rock on. The aides, our battalion aides, both talked back and forth quite a bit. And they, they, they worked on the logistics and the resources and stuff like that, but me right. and him never spoke back and forth until after the fire was pretty much smothered by the concrete as Bill pointed out. <laughs> so for our listeners, um, we are avoiding the subject of what was burning. And we, we are No we're not. Well no no we're not we're not gonna talk about it, but um, that's what there's a reason we can't really go into it right now. I, don't make faces. I've been making faces the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but um Without going into that, you're standing under the bridge, under the Beaver spring, uh, spring connector, looking at it. What do you see? Massive amounts of fire. Okay. I could not see any wreckage of a truck or anything, but it was the type of fire. If you had seen a tanker truck rupture and burn, this is that's well, the kind of level that's that you what would it think looked it was. like right. from the helicopter. Was it looked like mm-hmm. a pool of flammable liquid that was burning? Right. It didn't look like. Anything that was recognizable. Right. There was no wreckage or anything like that. Right. Uh, there was no discussions with the original engine company uh, until much later. And uh, he said that, you know, the fire obviously wasn't that big to begin with. It, it, it grew quickly. And that's about all the conversation I've had with him about it so far. Right. Who? Well. And they were a three man crew, which normally we have a four man crew. So they were one man short. So you called a second alarm. Was there any coordination on? how that alarm was going to respond to the scene, which direction, where they needed to be. There was some of that. That was the other reason that I wanted to split it and go to two separate attack channels because I knew we were going to specifically have to tell people how to get to us. And that was going to create a lot of radio traffic. And we, if we were going to be talking over each other, it was going to create a huge nightmare. Right. So initially as I you know, created his, you know, he, he goes to a separate attack channel and units are still talking back to me. As they are, I'm like, negative from now on, you're talking to Division North. This tack channel, and I, after I got so that sorted out, and then, them. yeah, after a couple <laughs> of minutes, then it, it calmed down, and I was just dealing with. So I had the guys on the South Division, and the guys up on top of the Buford Spring Connector. We also had units up there, so I had kind of a split cer- right. uh, circumstances on the South side. Uh, but although I couldn't see what they were doing up there, they would yell over or tell me via radio what they needed. So during that initial communications, where you're splitting divisions, where does 
blocking that roadway come in? Once you say, you tell radio or dispatch, let's go ahead and stop traffic through here. Are you done, PD? No one's communicating with you anything? Or do you have to handle some of that traffic too as to where they're blocking the road? That's interesting. That's the one thing about it. Uh, hindsight now, I wish I'd have gotten updates on how well that was going, uh, but I don't think to ask because I'm so overwhelmed with what's going on and how I've split it and you know, trying to get units in right. there, trying to get units to the scene to be able to attack the fire because really that's what we needed was more hoses, more people, more nozzles. Like I had a truck on my side, but I had no engine to supply it. So what was your strategy? Well, to put you, you were trying to put the fire out. Yeah, at least, or slow it down at least, okay. uh, as much as we could. So I was going to get two and a halfs and uh, monitors, anything that we could leave up there to lose sets, you know, to leave up there and, you know, put as much water on as quickly as possible. But as soon as we started shutting it down and it became, it's rush hour, we're shutting down the interstates, we're shutting down Piedmont, which is another major thoroughfare, traffic was getting socked in. And so units were having even longer and harder times responding to us. We had some that never showed, they couldn't make it, they got stuck. So and it, so it, it became wow. very complicated. So that you're not getting information fed to you, and that's what, what I was kind of thinking in my head is, obviously you got your plan, you got another division that's doing their plan, but as far as PD's concerned, you know, what their plan is to deviate traffic to go somewhere else so you can let units come in. Because I'm thinking, how are you going to get any... It's our Atlanta traffic is... If you haven't been in Atlanta, the traffic is horrific to begin with. Now you're stopping it. How are the engines going to be able to get... To their location. To me, it seems almost impossible when they're coming outside of that immediate area. How are they going to get to where they need to go? That's a great question. I don't, I don't know how they did it. Uh, like I said, some units I know never made it. So as they were moving up, most of them were going to come the what they would use normally, which was 85, and or the Buford Spring Connector. And as they were coming up, you know, there were people blocked all across all four lanes into the emergency lanes and leaving their cars to go videotape what was going on. So there was no way that they could move. So a lot of them were getting off and getting on surface streets as they heard these complications. And then they would ask, you know, you know, I may have asked for, or at one point we asked for our foam unit. We have a huge foam unit that pumps you know, 3,000 gallons a minute. And it took a little while, but they ended up because it was the only route that they could take. They ended up on the north side. Well, you couldn't attack it with the foam unit from the north side. It had to be on the south side. So by the time they got there, we, we really couldn't utilize them because we couldn't figure out a way to get them over to where we needed them. Right. And it's, I mean, the Grand Canyon's 10 miles across, you know, but it takes 10 hours to drive at one point from one rim to the other. This is basically what this was, was there was just no way to get from one side to the other, right? Right, right. I mean, it... it it wasn't a matter of, hey, we need you on this side. There's no doing it, short of getting a helicopter and flying, you know, <laughs> picking, picking an engine up. Right. I mean, it was even pedestrians, you know, pedestrians were wanting to use MARTA, which there was a MARTA train station, uh, you know, a few blocks north of where we were. And, you know, they're like, well, I, I got to go there. We're like, all right, you got to walk like a mile down this street, like right. two miles up this other street. They just couldn't figure that you, we can't go under this bridge. It's compromised. Right. And so it became a huge issue. So that radio traffic was was a little bit of a problem. And, uh, it, you know, anytime that's going to be a situation, they're wanting me to give them directions. But I'm not seeing the conditions. I don't know where you're coming from. You know, all I can tell you is where I need you to get to. Uh, all the rest of it right. you're going to have to figure out. So you were crews staying where they were? Were they, you know, in, in those safe areas? Or were they creeping up? Oh, they're creeping and, up. Being firefighters, right? Being firefighters. Yeah. 
They were called there to put the fire out, not to watch it. <laughs> so, what was happening when you know your your second battalion chief's not a safety officer? Right. He's got his own division. Right. You're now in command and your own safety officer at the same time? Well, I was lucky. Uh, One of my senior captains stepped up, and uh, without being told to, uh, Captain Jordan did a great job. He stepped up and became the safety officer. He was the one that was on the tiller truck uh, that first got there. And we put the tiller truck up, and but we just did not have the right angle. It was such a small window to mm-hmm. go between the uh, I-85 and the Buford Spring Connector. We didn't have a good angle to be able to get enough water in there. And there were some thoughts about you know putting the ladder underneath it and stuff, but if it collapses, you know, we've got right. another problem. Uh, so we didn't really do that. Um, we were going strictly trying to go with the hand lines. So we had several units with two and a half and you know mercury monitors on two, uh, going up trying to hit it, but it was not putting a dent in it. It was the water putting it out there was being turned to steam before it even reached the fire. Wow! I mean, it was just dissipating. And they didn't tell me this until later. I didn't know about it. On the north end, they did a great thing. They, they switched to solid board to get more penetration and to have less you know, dispersion of it. And I, I, I'm assuming it worked pretty well, but I thought that was a great call. Right. Um, but on our side, yeah, they started trying to creep up and try to go around. There was fencing all around where the uh, burning was happening and stuff. And so they were working on trying to get up underneath it. And I, I walked up to them. I was like, no, 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 we're not going over there. You're going to stay over here under the Buford Spring Connector. That's not going to be safe. That's going to come down, blah, blah, blah. At that time, a person of a uh, urban uh, outdoorsman <laughs> decided to try and run up under there to, to, for whatever reason, and I kind of caught him in the midst of it and uh, ushered him away from the, the crews back to the PD, and I put, PD, I put him in custody. And as I was walking back to the car, that's when it came down. So you were... Now I'm trying to picture you as the incident commander... You're outside, you're mobile, trying to evaluate things, or you're at a command post. And I probably should have asked you that initially, but now I'm trying to envision what, how you're, you obviously need to see what's going on. You got somebody that you're having to deal with physically, you got crews trying to advance that you don't want to advance, so are you kind of tied down, or are you pretty close where you can do all that stuff? Uh, I was doing both. You know, uh, what I could, I was staying at the car, uh, doing command, talking with the aide, looking at what units we had, what assignments we were giving them. Uh, but at times, the radio traffic was so heavy that I couldn't get through that I'd go and physically talk to them and tell them, you know, that I needed them to pull back or whatever. And after I left, like I said, I got distracted by the by the homeless guy trying to get underneath there. That's when the Captain Jordan actually made sure that those guys did not go any right. further. So when it collapsed, how did it come down? Pancake, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were something like what speed or like was it noisy? <laughs> yeah, very quick. So, prior to all that, though, there were several loud booms, and this has been talked about. I've heard a couple of times on the internet and things like that. And there was a part because we don't know what was under there. Uh, we thought maybe it was propane tanks, you know, stored there that would, you know, blevy basically and go off. And it turns out. It was the pillars, the concrete pillars. They were getting so superheated that some of the crews that were close on those hand lines were saying that the concrete was glowing. Wow. And I've never heard of that actually happening before, but they were just bursting. And that was the boomings that you heard. And we're talking pillars that are how, how big? They're probably four feet in diameter. Okay. They're pretty large. Anyway, so you'd hear a boom, and you're like, man, what is that? You know, like I said, it was really loud, like a, like a small propane tank blevian. And then we heard several of them in a row, boom, 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 and then the whole thing came down. Which these spans on this bridge were concrete, right? Not metal? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so when it came down, did did it push any of the fire, any of the fuel out as it? Not that I could tell. No? Okay. And my fear was that it wasn't going to come down uh, as a pancake, that it may come out as a lean-to and knock another pillar over and then bring it on to, because most of the fire was, it was obviously not on Piedmont. It was under the, the, the right-of-way over one side of it. But if it had been a lean-to, it would have dropped it onto Piedmont as well. Mm-hmm. So some of the, the units were actually under that portion initially, and some of them were operating hose lines early on, and that's why we moved them back over. What We were kind of deeming a little bit of a safe area under the Buford Spring Connector. But even that was probably getting some compromised as well for right. the amount of heat. So at some point, I saw on the television coverage that uh, two of your airport uh, trucks made it up there. Correct. That was after the collapse? Yes. I would assume just with the traffic jam, it'd have to be after the collapse. Right. And we asked for it before the collapse. But. Collapse? You said it started about 6.15. It collapsed? 7.05. 7.05. Okay. So... Um, and then uh, you said you asked for the airport trucks, and the airport trucks were requested for what? What, what was the, the idea with them? Foam, foam, massive amounts of water that it carries on it at the same time, so okay. it was going to do so, a great job. It was actually the division chief, uh, Macklemore, that actually had that suggestion. And that's the great thing about having chiefs come in there is not one guy has to see you know the total picture. This thing of being a success was not my success. Right. Or, Macklemore's success or Captain Matkin's success. It was everybody doing their part, Captain Jordan doing his part, everybody giving suggestions and working through that whole problem together as a team. Complete team effort to make this work out well. Right. Uh, you know, not enough people get recognition for that they did a really good job uh, to make sure that this thing, everybody did their part. So, you know, Macklemore being the uh, division OIC for the day, he suggested it. Now, to get units off the airport takes, you know, to go through a couple levels of permission. You know, typically they don't leave. Right. And then you see these huge, wide tire things coming rolling up the interstate, and you think you're being invaded by some weird yeah. organization. So they, they came north on 85 and got through? Well, they're from the airport. They could have flown. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they came up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kept thinking, how the hell they get up there? Uh, I think their last part of the response, they actually came up northbound on Piedmont, is what they said. Okay. But I, I never saw them. So under normal circumstances... With regular bad traffic that we have, rush hour traffic, what's an estimated time of what it would have took from the airport to where you were? Ooh, that's a good question. I, and the only reason I say that is because it's a significant amount of time to get anywhere in Atlanta during rush hour minutes? traffic. Yeah, I'd say 30 minutes. So, so yeah. about 30 minutes under normal right. traffic. I believe they had a police escort, though. Yeah, but, you know, I, I mean, I, I just I envisioned... Bumper to bumper traffic, and then you know how everybody pulls into the and try to navigate lanes. that gigantic truck. Right, but I mean, you, so you're talking about bumper to bumper traffic, but you're also having if your PD is doing it, PD is talking to each other about what's cut off, where's the most traffic, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like the old school ways. Maybe app. The, yeah, maybe yeah. they just ways it. Yeah, ways app. Yeah, that's how they do it. <laughs> Those trucks are very computerized. <laughs> <laughs> Playing video games. I got a joystick. I'm driving this thing. It's great. <laughs> well, you mentioned that. It's funny because there's an you mentioned that with this incident and you not being able to see anything else, uh, 
I recently went somewhere where I saw this fire truck. It's still in production mode. But basically what they have is a um, drone attached to the roof. It's under a cover and it's GPS driven. And you program it when you get from a certain distance of what the incident is. That drone will automatically take off, go above the incident, start shooting you pictures, uh, a live image of what it is that's happening. Now, when I was sitting there... Speed Racer had the same thing in the Mach 5. Awesome. I know. All of a sudden, they come up with it and put it in a fire truck. So <laughs> what you're talking now, what I'm thinking is, so when I'm sitting in this fire truck, looking at 100% technology-based, and you know how we are, you know, we're kind of slow to move forward and accept some of these things. We just want the hard nozzles and everything else to get in there. And I'm looking at this truck going, wow, this is, for today, the technology is totally totally feasible and for an incident like this where something could have been over and giving you an aerial shot mm-hmm. would have been a tremendous advantage for uh, you yeah absolutely to let me know that the traffic had been stopped and that you know right. that was my yeah. first heart stopping concern I was pretty sure that the firefighters were out because we had kept them back far enough but I was not sure about the interstate being stopped and that there was no traffic stopped anywhere I mean it would make sense that you would not be on that but when I went back later and I saw the, the news footage there were cars still yeah, driving, driving through it. And I, was yeah. like, I guess it's, it, you know, you're on the interstate, you, you only go one direction, you don't turn around and go the other way. So people just do what they normally do, and they just, just didn't go. know what else to do. Just, just go. Keep going. Kind of race right. through it. But and this was them driving through the blackest, I mean, just blind driving through it. Yeah, they're thinking days of thunder. Just drive through yeah, the smoke. Exactly. It'll be clear exactly. when you're on the other side. I mean, I'm sure that's what they were thinking, but, you know, it. it <laughs> That was the thing. I was like, please tell me there are no cars on that. Right. Now, I don't know who I spoke to, and I don't think it was you, but I spoke to somebody that said not long before this incident took place that you guys had a class or something that talked about um, highway safety and somebody got – and they – it got mentioned, but this may be one of them stories that somebody's telling a story. But somebody mentioned that in Atlanta just held a class about a department somewhere up north that – the commander was held liable because an accident took place. He didn't shut down the highway because there was a car fire and the smoke impeded their vision. So somebody from Atlanta was telling me, hey, we just had a class about this thing previous to. Yeah, that, that, that is familiar. I don't know about exactly the class, but I do remember something about this. But you weren't in that class. No, I wasn't in that class. Because, so, you know, it'd be easy to say, or not easy, but it'd be... How do you get prompted to shut down the highway when that's not your normal action? Yeah, if it's a a huge accident or something like that, maybe, but you're looking at something you've never seen before. So to to immediately shut it down and forecast to go, we need to shut this down? I don't know that that'd be the first thought to run to my mind. I I think you might be surprised on that. I wasn't there, um, but I've been a part of... Uh, Shane, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I've been just kind of sitting back here in the background. I've been a part of uh, large burning incidents on the interstate. And when you understand that you're going to have to be operating that area, it, I have no problem shutting that down. It almost is the, the first thing you're thinking about is we got to get this stopped somehow. Yeah, on the and interstate. This yeah. is well, even below so, it. It so wasn't I, below it, but when you saw the video of it, it was clearly. Even, enveloping all of it. So I, I think you're thinking that's got to get done quickly. Like this has got to mm-hmm. get, you're, you're, 
you know, your question was, I'm not sure if I would have thought you would have thought about it. No, not sure. I, there is no doubt in my mind you would have said, we got to get this stopped well, somehow. I just drove through traffic that was right beside it, so I knew that there was traffic still in and around it, and that had to stop. I mean, because if it was peppering out concrete on me, it had to be doing other cars too. Right. Yeah. So the bridge collapses, that single span. What goes through your mind right after that? Are you relieved, or no. are you thinking, are there no. more collapses coming? Have we have we messed the integrity up of further spans in this? Were you I mean, thinking if, like if, that? Well, I mean, I You're, was worried about the integrity the whole time. When you pulled up, you were worried it was going to collapse. Right, right, right. It's collapsed. Right. Has it? Has it? You know? Have hey, we not moved? Well, I mean, but yeah. no, I'm not really, relieved. No, 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 not at all. No, my heart has sank really because, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast. So when we go to a fire and we go operational, we go offensive. We want to stop it and save what's savable. Same kind of thing here. If we have to go defensive on a fire, we kind of see that as a defeat, or at least I do. It's like we're not doing well enough here. So when I was there and we could not stop the fire or at least contain it enough to not drop it, although it was it was it was compromised to the point of not being usable from the time my car stopped underneath it. Because you can look at the fact that the fire was not underneath the southbound lanes, mm-hmm. and they're replacing six sections of that. So you had to know that these were already damaged to the point that they were not going to use it anymore. Right. But as soon as it collapsed, it's like that final statement of, you guys were not successful in extinguishing this or slowing it down or saving anything. So to me, I saw that as a defeat personally. But. So who's on scene right now above you? In rank when it comes down, uh, just the division acting division chief, which was and uh, what did he say to you? I don't know if he said anything to me. Actually, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. We, we did have a division chief on the scene. He didn't scream like at the end of the sitcom and go, "Hatch!" You know, no. damn it! <laughs> no, 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 they weren't mad at me. Oh, I, Hatch, I was Hatch did it again. I can't, I can't figure out what you're trying to say. <laughs> no, we had a deputy chief on the scene as well. And, okay, uh, yeah, they. No, neither one of them were upset. I mean, they, they also thought it was coming down to you. Right. It just happened, I'd say, about 30 minutes from the time we got there to the time it came down. And 30 minutes is a very fast when all things are going on right. and you're trying to get units in places and things like that. It's a very, very quick time frame. So I knew it was coming down. I, I wanted to stop it. You know, from coming down, it's very dramatic. You know, it's on national news. We always, right. you know, you burn concrete to the ground. That's not something everybody does. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you did it well. I did it well. Yeah. As, as it one well guy well. put it on, texted me on the scene. We vertically ventilated an interstate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make shirts. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so uh, they, everybody knew that that it was going to be compromised to the point that it was going to be right. you know a lot of work done on it. But uh, you know they weren't they were mad. That, you know they wanted to make sure everybody was safe and everybody was staying out of those areas as well. So after it comes down. You don't have guys moving in to put the fire out because you're still concerned other sections might come down. Correct. Yeah. It didn't completely extinguish it when it, the concrete right. came down. Right. When he made it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, it did, when it did come down, and we obviously have it, that's a significant event on the fire ground. Do you guys immediately stop and do a par at that point? We're supposed to. Yeah, we did. It was one of the things that I messed up. One of the things. Well, that, the know, reason I ask you that, I mean, you know, we're, we're supposed to do certain things, and you kind of right. get caught up in what's going on. But Absolutely. the reason I ask that is, when that happened, was there anything in the back of your mind where you were like, "I, I hope we had everybody out of the area," or did you feel one hundred percent confident we're I felt, all good? I felt one hundred percent confident we were all good. 
that really wasn't a, a, a major concern like it was played out on the news. Uh, they had a camera shot at one point where the guys were really uh, up, up under the, the right. 85 part, and we had already moved them since then. And I literally, like I said, I had just been right there to where they were. The heat was too intense for them to get much further. Plus, I had that captain that was keeping them back, so I was felt pretty good. Yeah, really, really confident. If anything, it would have been me more worried about debris, you know, coming right. over and striking them or it flashing out from the pushing of smoke right. or, or fire out on them. But, you know, they were all you know, moving quickly in my direction at this point. Right. You know, trying to, uh, but they, you know, they were all very happy that uh, they were not successful in pushing as they, they want, right. thought about it. You know, they, they were all, you know, hey, let's get in there and, you know, get it done. And, you know, you want that. You want the firefighters to be aggressive, to go get it, to put it out and, and do that. But you got to keep a good head on your shoulders. You have to educate yourself about what happens, what's, you know, what's the spot. Have what's there been on. firefighter talk where they've had their own little kitchen talk stuff and we're like, man, I'm glad we didn't push up in the area any further. Right. You know, I'm glad we didn't do some, you know, own agenda kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I had one of the captains during our after action said something, and when he started it, I was a little worried where he was going with it. He was like, I'm, I'm glad it collapsed. And I was like, oh, man, where, where's this going? <laughs> and his point was, let's say we did put it out, and we get up underneath it, and we're overhauling it, and then that's when it right. decides to come down. And I was like, you know what, that is a great point, because right. we would have thought, this is a stable, this is concrete, or right. whatever, and it could have come down, and it would have been right. horrific. And that, that easily could have happened. Right. So he's right. You know, it, it worked out better than the situation right. that it did. It let everybody know that this is not the place for us to be underneath it. So talk a little bit did about you have a question? Sorry. after the collapse, you know, you had your North Division set up. Did you get any communication with him that his guys were, were, were fine, like 100% sure about them? They weren't even as close to it as we were. Right. So they, they were further back. Uh, they were under the uh, south Mountain lanes of I-85, which wasn't under direct flame impingement, so I was pretty confident that they had moved up as far as we had. So, Good. so you had after this, obviously the scene gets flooded with every agency and probably some that you didn't even think were going to respond. Yeah, yeah, I saw ATF there. That was pretty. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're, they're not too far away. No, and I, I'm sure there there was somebody throwing around the idea that this was deliberately set, maybe or terrorist, or you know, I mean that. No. I, the news was throwing it around. Know. You know, somebody had to have been. But anyway, you get agencies showing up. How did did you have to deal with any of that? Uh, yeah, we we started having briefings. Um, I think we had two or three briefings uh, about the incident, whatever. At one point, the mayor was going to respond, and I was going to have to give him an update uh, with the fire chief of what had happened and what had happened. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> what our next operation was. Every time that's said, everybody has to do that. I don't know why. It is like an Atlanta code that you have to do that. Sorry. Uh, but he, he got caught up in uh, some other meetings, and we had a city council person that showed up, and we went through it. And so we had you know operational briefings probably every two hours maybe after it came down. And you were there all night? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I ended up coming back. Okay. I, I left and got back to the station about 1230. Uh, they were able to bring us food uh, at one point, and then they woke me back up at 4 o'clock to come back out there. We had a fire watch all through the night and uh, it was continuing to burn and uh, DOT was worried about it compromising other pillars and dropping other portions of it. So then we we right. got some, uh, we started, instead of having one engine on Firewatch, we brought another engine in and uh, 
So it being on the Buford Spring connector where we were having the best access, what is not on interstates? Hydrants. Hydrants. <laughs> exactly. Where we get water from. So that was a big problem. So they were taking one engine and basically using it as a water shuttle. And uh, I should have done this in the initial incident and thought about it while I was there. We have a host tender which has a thousand feet of five inch hose. And so I took it, connected to the hydrant, and just had it run up the off ramp hmm. and dropping all the hose. And then we had just a short, short section that we had to use the engines for. But if I thought about that in the original thing. Right. So we mentioned that some of the uh, firefighters probably came away with this with some uh, different perspectives. You said, Shane, you, saw, you were talking about, you know, do you think they were talking, talking about this at the kitchen table? What did you come away from this with? What's your lesson learned? Well, I mean, we've talked about a couple of them. If I had it to do over again, uh, I would have asked for like five-minute updates from communications on the status of shutting down the interstates. Uh, obviously, I should have done a par. Anytime you have a dramatic change in circumstances, you know, but just be being confident isn't good enough, you know. And right. there's no fires that we're going to run that we're absolutely perfect on. No, no. Sometimes it's minor things, you know. You you know you start off on the wrong tack channel or whatever it is, and sometimes right. it's major things like this. Uh, I'm not talking about the stuff that you know that you should have done that you didn't do. I'm talking about the stuff that you never thought about before, but you came away from this and you're thinking, okay. Now I, now I know I need to be thinking about that. These are the kind of questions you got to ask me before we're sitting here and i got to do it off the top of my head. This is typical, oh, Bill. I know, man. Uh, I mean, this is, this is no, and we were talking about this. No doubt this is, you know, 10, 15 years from now, this is still going to be your fire. People are going to remember this, like the Fulton Cotton Mill or, you know, uh, the... I can't think of anything else in Atlanta that except for the Fulton County Dorval, I mean, Dorval Tank Farm you have fire one in guy, Well, you have a helicopter guy, a pilot, but you have one guy hanging from the roof. Sure. He's really putting it out all out there. It's me in the in the cogs of working oh, other no. pieces of the incident right. command process. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just one small portion of. You're it. right, and I, I shouldn't say it's your fire, but I know what you're. I know what you're, you're in your career. This is going to be one of the big moments. Yeah, and what the continuation of this podcast makes it even more so. But exactly. yes, uh, yes. But in these big fires or, or these incidents that we all have in our careers, whatever they are and why why they are important, what's your takeaway from this one? That you know, and I, it's perfectly okay to say, you know what, it all went the best it could have. Blah blah blah. Well, that's told you that's things possible. I could have done better. Well, no, no, that's but not that's, what you wanted. No, I, the same, same that we didn't do a par, and we're supposed to do a par. I, you know. But uh, did you read it wrong? Did you, you know, I mean. The only thing I read wrong was, like I said, I didn't know it was going to come down that fast. I knew it was coming down, but that that happened a lot faster than I thought. Um, You know, I love the idea that the North Division did with, you know, changing to a solid board. That, that, That was great, but. I wasn't getting the same information that he was that it was dissipating and not reaching the, the seat of the fire. Right. So if I had gotten that, you know, that, that would have been, but I don't know if I'd have made it. I, I really think the, the, the guys coming to me about the phone truck and about the airport, those are great suggestions. Right. Uh, cause you're, you know, lots of water, you're on an interstate that doesn't have, you know, hydrants. Right. That's a great source of water to get it up there. Uh, although the, the phone truck doesn't have the water source. Right. So let's talk about that for just a second. Then, you know, a lot of people, especially people that are new to the fire service, struggle with the idea that maybe the fire scene is supposed to be more democratic than it is. But 
uh, and on the other side of that, that some people take the idea of an incident commander as being very dictatorial. I'm kind of, I, I like to think of myself kind of like what it sounds like you were doing where I'm open to suggestions, you know, bring me what, you know, what you're thinking. Ultimately, it's my responsibility to say yes or no, and we're going to do this. But it sounds like you were very open to uh, alternate things, you know, whether it was resources, whether it was how we're going to deal with it, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's really the best way to be in most of these things. You don't have to be the the guy that has all the answers. Right. It's everybody contributing, and you know we've done this in, in committees that we, you know, the four of us have been involved in. Uh, this the collaboration really, and when you can hone that that right. of collaborating with people and getting ideas, and you know, not one of us is smart as all of us. Right. Right. And, uh, it's it's when your ego gets in the way and says. You know, I'm the incident commander, and the way I say it is the way it's going to happen. Man, I'm going to miss stuff. It's just, right. just going to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get so focused on the fact that there's a ton of fire under something that type one construction, basically, and this is what we consider the most stable. And I know that's coming down. Right. That that's going to be a bad situation. And what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to get water to it? You know, and at one point, uh, our squad, our heavy rescue, uh, picks up the alarm as well, and I kind of tell them over the radio. I really don't have anything for you because I don't need a technical rescue team. Mm-hmm. I need guys and hoses, and they don't carry hose and they don't carry water. Now they come anyway, and they do a great job. But I also knew that they were going to get socked in, and I'm taking a large chunk of the city's resources right. and putting it on this fire. If we have other fires, they would probably be better used doing other things. Now, and I didn't want them to take that offensively. It's not that I don't no, want to use right. you, but I can't think of something. I need technical. I need hoses, nozzles, and guys on it. You right. have the guys, but you don't have the rest of it, so I don't really need you. But they, they showed up and they did a great job. Right. But, it, I mean, so I am able to think through some of those kind of processes at the time, but a lot of it was just, you know, please come to me with a suggestion. If I'm not seeing it, I, I want to know. Right. You know, and, and I think that's the best way to be. You know, and to me, that's what the the uh, shift commander, you know, for us, we call it a division chief, but basically the city commander, the shift commander, that's their job. And they show up, unless you were just totally messing it up. They don't take over. They look at the big picture. You're looking, you know, they're looking at the forest. You're looking at the trees. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to pick up all the things that you're not seeing. And you know, that, that's what I hope that they do. And that's a lot of times our safety officers end up getting involved in a lot of that, too, sometimes. Right. Shane, you're a shift commander. Mm-hmm. Is that how you handle things? I like to think I do it just exactly like that. So unless it's just an absolute something I've gotten to get involved in, I typically am doing exactly that. I'm just kind of looking at another 30,000-foot view and making sure we're hitting what needs to hit. I think it's important also that as long as that scene is going in the right direction, it's not important for me to come in there and take. It really doesn't do anything. I really need to support that individual, you know, and I think that for the long run is a better way to go anyway because I'm trying to create a very collaborative environment. You know, right, it's very a matter of shoring up weaknesses maybe a little bit. And, and you touched on something, and this kind of goes into that. If if my ego gets in the way of that, then that causes a situation where we get back to our book about the five dysfunctions of the team. When your ego's in the way, then you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable, right? So if I am not 
showing that I can be vulnerable in a way saying, hey, listen, what do you think is going on? Here's what I think. I want you to keep doing what you're doing. It teaches others not to be vulnerable, which ends up creating a trust issue on the fire ground. So if I come into every fire and take it over because my ego says I'm the shift commander, I start developing, I start creating trust issues, which we do not need to have on the fire ground or in any team for that matter. Yeah, and I've I've been filling in for you and had battalion chiefs become a little bit defensive just because I showed up, didn't take command, was there to do exactly what you're talking about, just to put another set of eyes on scene, but kind of a why are you here, you know why? <laughs> Must be you. <laughs> yeah, probably is. <laughs> well, I had the luxury of working alongside of you, so I'll tell you, I'll brag on on you guys a little bit on this. It is the chief's responsibility, and you did it, and you said it, to draw the line in the sand because we're going to – the higher you go, the more people you're responsible for, the more responsibility you got on your shoulders. And I think you guys do a really good job at instilling trust in the crews that you have their best interest in mind and you're going to let them function. But at the same rate, when you need to say you're not going under that bridge – you're going to make that call and they're going to respect it, which I think is critical too. Because if you tell, if any of you say, hey, this is where the line is and you don't need to cross it because that trust factor has been built up and you are, you lead the way you do, then people will know step back. Because it could be very easy and we've seen it happen around the country. All you got to do is read NIOSH reports where an incident commander has made a call and told somebody to do something, and they didn't heed that advice, and they continue to push forward. So in your particular incident, you're saying, hey, not only get my car back, get everybody back. So I know it was a whole team effort in Atlanta, and everybody contributed to that success, but some of those hard calls of saying, no, we're not going to advance into this, shut a highway down that's going to impact and I'm just envisioning Atlanta during rush hour traffic. That and was making not it. something I was thinking about. <laughs> I was not thinking about the traffic no, problem. No, I, I, I'm no, clear you're it, not thinking about it that. It impacted the entire city. It impacted oh, and, the entire and continues city. today to impact them. I'm yes. well aware of it. I get reminded about Thanks. it just about every day. <laughs> it may not be a difficult decision to make right there and then, as in you know you have to shut it down, but there were decisions that were made that saved a lot of lives and the incident like we were discussing before the podcast it could have been catastrophic Uh, people not pulling back before the the bridge collapsed people being on the bridge during its collapse there's so many little things I mean just one little thing that could have changed the entire dynamic and the outcome of that incident so from both divisions making the decisions that they made working individually and together did lead to the success of it, but we all know that often the first arriving commander that starts taking control of that scene, if he cannot take full control, then everybody else wants to control it. So, you know, not being present, but knowing how your presence is, taking that initial control, making those decisions on the scene immediately, shutting down traffic, having people come back, to me that that's a huge part mm-hmm. of the success of the incident. Knowing how my presence is, is that what you said? Yeah, very <laughs> large commanding. presence. Very commanding very presence. Very commanding presence. What did you say, Thor? So, yeah, yeah, Thor arrived on the scene? Uh, Thor was definitely engaged in that fight. Let's go back to our last episode where we talked a lot about luck. What of this scene do you chalk up to luck? 
What of the success do you chalk up to luck? I was lucky that Captain, you know, was able to run with that idea of right. beginning a North Division and having no discussion about it, and he just picked that up and ran. Have with you? It. And you haven't got a chance to talk to him? Yeah, about yeah, we talked about it. Since. So when you gave him that assignment, did he was like, Yeah, he. he I think <laughs> I know what he means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna go with it. Okay, yeah. but I mean, it worked for you. Right, and even he's like, I'm now on another tech channel. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and then, so, and there's no discussion of you're going to get, you know, it's supposed to be you're going to get engine, you know, one, two, and three. You're going to get truck two and eleven. It didn't and blah, go down blah. like that. No, no, I didn't tell him at all. I'm literally still on the dispatch because it's all happening at the same time. Saying, you know, they're calling back to command. No, no, you're no longer talking to command. You're talking to Division North. You're going to attack five. And so there was no discussion. He was finding out who it was. He had on the scene as it was developing. I mean, I'm telling you, he did an outstanding job. That is a huge curveball to be thrown right. and to do as well. Yeah. And that's not his normal position. He was right. riding up. I mean, uh, he did a really I'd like good to have, job. that would actually, I would love to talk to him okay. and get his insight uh, as to, okay, so they threw you this curveball. You're riding up. Yeah. You know, that'd be somebody interesting to talk to and, and get his perspective on things, too, to find out, well, what do you do when you are riding up? Which could be your careers on the line, too, because you're going, hey, let's see if you can step up to the next, you know, yeah. to the plate on this. So I, that's a, is this is his first point, day uh, filling in on the car, by no. chance? No? no? Okay. No, he's done it. This is times. usually, yeah, but this is usually the kind of crap that we throw at people on their first day filling in. Right, but I mean, it goes back to, you know, <laughs> like, uh, into a yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah, those no wins uh, solution situations yeah. that we talk about before, right. you know, you just, you just can't, we can't give you a recipe on how to do this. Right. We can't tell you how everything's going to work out. We can give you ideas and, and go through it. And I think we talked about last time that you couldn't think of one time when no decision was a good decision. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's where it comes into what he's talking about. I didn't come in there thinking, well, I'll just stand back and see what, what happens. happens. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. I, I was definitely making, you know, calls. Right. And he did too. We don't typically do that. Let's just see what happens. I can see. Right. But we had that whole thing. anything on this chief showing up. Division chief pulls up. Hatch, what's uh, what's going on? Just, well, uh, I'm just gonna watch it for a little. Bit. We see <laughs> well, you mentioned it. I'm though, not familiar with that. Is, mode. Uh, <laughs> it's always a decision. You're always making yeah. it, not it, making a decision. It's still a decision. decision, right. decision, right. decision, still a decision. Right. But you know, he he did he did an outstanding job of that. And he could have done that. You know, he could have been so overwhelmed that just totally shut him down. And it didn't. You know, he just rocked on with it. You know, took the cruise that he had. Right. Of course, you would have not known. If it had have gone the other way, uh, trust me, I, w- I would have known. I mean, there, there was going to be enough conversation between my aide and his aide, and and there he, somebody been been saying, "Hey, they're they're struggling." Right. There would have been a point when he would have had to come back to me and say, uh, "I'm not sure what's happening here, or whatever." But he 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 rocked with it. He did really well. And I'm telling you, if there's anything that I could profess as to that you absolutely need for this type of situation, battalion aides. How you guys do it without battalion aids, I'm telling you, there's no way that would have been successful without those guys. Because that allowed me to focus on that situation, the crews, the complications that I was having, the the access of getting there, the radio traffic. He just handled the resources and what was going on with that and talking amongst the other. Well, it was absolutely Although we don't have designated aides like you guys do and I wish we did but on our large incidents like that when we have, we're going to stand up a lot of units we'll end up pulling somebody Bill's helped me many times where we pulled in an extra battalion chief I'll pull in a squad I'll pull in a senior firefighter I'll pull in something they will operate as an aide at some point because okay. you're right I cannot 
do that. And I get that when you ask a battalion chief to do it, but it, this is a relationship that we develop mm-hmm. to where it's almost non-communicated between what I need him well, to do. Unfortunately, and we don't get, get that. So, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. You, you guys really, really, really need that. Uh, to run safe incidents. I mean, there. I, I can't thank him enough, and I can't thank the the other battalion enough of what the the problem solving that they accomplished without having to come to us and say, "Well, you know, what do you want to do here, Chief?" Right. <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed. Don't, don't ask me, brother. They just, just take care, care of. It. Yeah, absolutely. They did which goes back to that's you know, we talk about, uh, and I don't know that I've ever answered all the pivot questions, but you know, my is that how you say it? Not, well, that's how oh, we you say you talk about it one more time, I'm going to slap somebody. So, <laughs> uh, but my favorite part. <laughs> the, the favorite thing that I like to hear on scene was it's taking, you know, giving an assignment, hearing, I've got this. Right. You know, knowing that it's taken care of and being able to look at an aide and know that I don't need to worry about where the units are going. He's going to get them where they need to be or, you know, that's, that's the most reassuring thing for me if I'm in command. Just knowing that you've it's given, handled. yeah, that the simple, I've got this. Yeah, like typically when you call a second alarm, you're going to give them an intersection to go to. There's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to assign a staging officer. None of that was done. I mean, it was, I, I'm out of my battalion, so I'm not completely familiar with the uh, streets. And mm-hmm. I'm having to look through a map on the computer trying to figure that out. We don't know what units are being dispatched. He's having to figure that out. They don't know how to get there. Which ones are showing up on our side? What side, ones are showing up on their side? Me the aides are talking a huge on. fire. All calm smoke. The aides are having to talk on two different tack channels. So they're having two radios. They're having to listen to me and having to listen to the other one. I mean, it, there's a lot of moving right. pieces. Would those you guys, have now that you've done it this way? And I don't know how much of this you can get into, but I want to know if you could talk about it. Would you set this up structurally different now, knowing what you know now? No. No. Are you talking about the yeah, because, again, we talked about this, and you split the scene into two divisions, which I'm totally okay with. But what was happening is, and I'm being a little bit critical here, and I wasn't there, so I apologize. But you were basically running two separate operations. You had He was running North Division mm-hmm. as an incident commander. You were running South Division as the incident commander without somebody over top giving a... Or was the division chief doing that? Was he... And, and again, I don't know if you can talk about that, but I just wonder, would you structurally set that up different now? Uh, the division chief never took uh, command. Okay. So I, I remained uh, the incident commander of the so entire... So was there a division chief on the other side? With... No. Okay. No. So he was still operating on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. You're talking about the other battalion? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shane, so is what you're saying structurally where your division would take command and then he'd be division north and the that's your traditional NIMS, NIMS type lingo when we like, had oh, to separate these like right, this this right. is what has happened is I would be that commander now I am the incident commander and you're going to run south division and the other chief is going to run north division and then resources whatever you need just run them through me and I'll get you that staging officer or whatever resource will run under me so that if you said hey I got to have two more engines you as the division commander uh, of south 
shop division, you would call IC and say, hey, I need two additional inches to 10 4. And then that person sends you that. Now you're not having to plug, get unplugged from the scene or your aide or whoever it is doing it and get with radio on another channel. If they're not Division monitoring. did do this, but he did not take it on the IC mantle that better that is so he was basically days. just handling resources for you right he, he was doing like i said it was his idea to get the, the airport trucks up there and go through all that communication for that he did a lot of that kind of uh talking on the radio stuff like that but he didn't deem himself uh the I incident commander uh, I, I remained the incident commander through the duration of it and you know i can see what you're saying that and you're you're right absolutely you know i, I would say Correctly, it would be one person. So, like, even initially, if I'd have pulled that Captain Jordan and put him as my incident commander on that side, and I were uh, operations. Now you're division, sitting here listening to both, both operations right, 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 going right, on, right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until division got again, I wasn't there, so I'm not being critical. But from just how it feels, if I'm in your shoes, that's what I want to do. I want to sit. I want to try to get a little higher on this, and I want to hear what's happening in the North Division, and I want to hear what's happening in the South Division. South Division, so that I know that we're all playing in the same ball field together. Because, again, you guys have AIDS operating. You're just kind of hoping North Division's working out. You said you would have found out. Your AIDS probably would have worked that out for you. But a lot of it, you're pushing off the table and hoping that it's okay. So that, that's just me. Well, I am feeling so much worse now than when I came in here. <laughs> God, and listen, it worked out I great. Came in, it did. Yeah, but, that, but I was, I'm just lucky it did. Well, no, you, you, we talked about it. You, you admitted there were some pieces of this that were luck, and that's oh, yeah, you know. So, um, we we don't ever. And I'm not definitely not taking a shot at you. I don't know what Steve. So you know what I'll say is, and we discussed it. I want to get too in depth with it. We kind of talked about it last time. He took a calculated risk. I hate to say luck because he was well informed of what was going on. He had sure. a decision making process, and he took a calculated risk that the person on the other side was going to be able to handle their business, and it happened real quick. Uh, and I know it's just semantics saying it's luck, but he, you know, well, if you're well right. informed and you go. In order for me to get a handle on this thing, I need somebody else. I gotta else. give it off. I gotta give it off. That's a uh, uh, that's a decision that's being made with some thought pattern, not just well, no. let me just throw let's, this in the air and let's see let's, what happens. Let's let's take a step back for a second. The way you guys are almost characterizing it is is we're a mile apart and we can't see each other. We can't see this thing. I can see them. I can see what they're doing. I know what's happening. So there's nothing going on that's that's not that I'm not aware of. Okay. While they're attacking it, so I just can't send units to them. They can't without putting them in the collapse zone. Okay, the so way I'm just, envisioning it, till you said that, was that you could. It, I was right. thinking like you, Shane, where we have two completely different incidents because I can't see you guys, so you're over there fighting your fire. So till you said that, I was actually envisioning yes, I pictured so no much visible smoke incident, that you even and it was like that in the beginning. But as we're right. doing all this, I can see everything that's okay. going on. So okay. it, there's nothing that's like I'm totally in the dark of what's happening. I, right. I can see it all. So it's not. He's not 100% out there just doing everything. I mean, he was doing everything right, so there was no reason to get involved in it. So he was doing a good job. I just couldn't share resources, and I knew the radio traffic and trying to explain how to get the resources to us. That's why I wanted him to just, you just hack it like it's your fire. I'll take it like it's my fire. And it was more on our side. I mean, I'm not trying to take a whatever, but it's just the way it worked out. But there was more on the south side of it, and they were under the, the uh, south side side, uh, 85 part. So, right. It's just a matter of, I don't know. Well, and I, I use the word luck, and basically that's... Probably less than 100 yards between us. That's me saying 
There are things that we take credit for that we high five each other and we say, great decision. You know, we did this well. And then there's everything else. And everything else falls in the luck category for me. Right. It's a a semantic choice between words. It was luck that you had the right people in the right places. Sure. I mean, you had some good people. Is that what the public wants to hear? Is we got the luck? Well, they, 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 they want to kind of know that we make the right decisions. And then we make the proper selections. Get the people the right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we've kind of exhausted where we need to go with this. Unless anybody's got anything else to I say. I do got one more thing okay. that will lead to the part two because we never talked about his trip or anything else. Well, no, no, that's, that's where I was about to. But as far are as we the, going to the next time going to that? Well, we're going to take a break. So oh, we are. Here, yeah. So um, we've got. We we hope everybody uh, has gotten something from this because this was definitely a unique perspective on this fire, and um, we are going to be talking to Hatch because there's the second half of this story where Hatch goes to Washington. Uh, and visits the president. Is that a book? It, it's going to be a book. Curious George. Yeah, Curious George goes to Washington. And, uh, if you're not friends with him on Facebook, you missed all the pictures. Oh, no. Oh, they're there. there but um, <laughs> but uh, there will be He's a, about the trend. Uh, there will be a second episode uh, following this one where uh, we talk specifically about going and uh, actually being in the Oval Office and meeting the president and the whole thing and, and how all that happened. Because uh, I've shut interstates down. I've shut 285 down going both directions. A couple of times. Nobody invited me to the White House. Not once at all. No. So um, that'll be fun to talk to Hatch about, and we hope we come back for another episode. So uh, that's the end of this episode, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you. Bye. So does this mean that... uh, Hold on. You're supposed to stop talking long enough for me to stop the recording. I did. (laughs) I said bye. (laughs) It's over. <laughs> <laughs>